The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race. Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh yeah. Hello everybody, welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 452, coming to you on Tuesday. October 11th, we're going to look back at USC's 30-14 to win over the Washington State Cougars. Take your questions and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansetted.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back for a special Tuesday night edition of the podcast. We're, we're a day late, but hey, you get to see us on back-to-back days. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be your, your lead-up show, your pregame show to the Dodgers playoff game tonight. So hopefully... Uh, uh, who the hell cares? <laughs> it's opening night, baby. Okay. Lead into opening night for the Kings. Kings nights at, at the at the state. There you go. You love to see it. No one's watching baseball tonight. <laughs> it's hockey night in LA. Come on. Uh, my bad. You're getting out of here. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm super pumped that we get to finally see uh, the the old hockey on the ice after um, the the Kings were eliminated from the playoffs while we were on our honeymoon. That's right. That's right. Because we struggled to find. That game. We couldn't do it. We Anywhere on TV for had, to, for... had to listen on on the ship Wi-Fi, which was uh, hit and miss. Yeah, <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on in, in L.A. tonight. We're back here on Tuesday. We'll be back again tomorrow on uh, Wednesday, October 12th, here live on YouTube to look forward to the biggie, the big and the, the one that everyone circled before the season, USC at Utah, the Trojans, going on the road to Rice-Eccles, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time uh, on Big Fox. 
Uh, this Saturday, we'll preview that game on Wednesday. Uh, and if you are joining us on Apple Podcasts, you can probably see that uh, in your feed later on Wednesday night um, or potentially early Thursday morning, depending on the time that uh, it ultimately indexes and all that stuff. But um, speaking of Apple Podcasts, we got a bunch of new reviews uh, I wanted to get to here. Uh, we got five stars from probably the best name I've ever, best username I've ever seen on Apple Podcasts. I did a double take, Michael. I did a double take. Lemonade dog sauce. I I, I, I don't know how you get there, but I love it. <laughs> I need I need to know the origin. What, what what do you think dog sauce is? Is it is it like um? It, it, I mean, it is could. It, is it sweet like lemonade? Is it maybe tart? Well, see, but this is what like is dog sauce like boo boo sauce? Like, is it a bad thing? Is dog sauce good? Like, it's like the sauce you put on like a hot dog. Um, oh, may, maybe like you know, saucy is seen as good, or and and it, you got that dog in you that's seen as good. So maybe, maybe? it's like the, he's got dog sauce. Yeah, is it is it a pro lemonade? term or a, a, an anti-lemonade I term know. i i need to know speaking of very anti at the uh the ronald tudor campus center well i'm an anti-lemonade person oh are you yeah like what like i i don't need to get some fancy eight dollar lemonade i mean when, I, when I i'm a student i too am anti eight dollar lemonade but like it's good lemonade so yeah. sometimes it's worth it mm-hmm Bring back Carl's Jr. <laughs> long, long live Carl's Jr. at <laughs> the student union. Uh, anyways, uh, Lemonade Dog Sauce says they spend five minutes talking about lasagna, but to be fair, they did warn the audience that the dying minutes of, the, of each podcast would be de- dedicated to frivolity. And apparently, the first five minutes of this episode. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Uh, Mike and Alicia occupy that sweet spot in sports coverage, the area that resides between charming fandom professional analytics and listener engagement. This podcast is fun. They understand exactly who they are and what they offer. My recommendation is to listen to their married to each other faces and be thankful that our football team has such competent voices following along Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Um, appreciate the review. That's uh, that's very heartwarming. And thank you yeah. for giving us the content of trying to figure out your, your username. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we appreciate the, the review as always, and uh, yeah, I, I like to think that we that we know what we are. I, I would hope. Uh, Beardman twenty four fifteen says, "Always honest, five stars." Been listening to Rot for a couple of years now. I've loved every minute. I appreciate both of your passion for USC football and for always giving us SC fans true, honest takes. Aside from Michael's awful food takes, this podcast has it all. As I navigate through the rigors of medical school, I really look forward to my commute so I can get my football updates from your unique, your unique takes and awesome banter. Thanks for giving me a small escape from school. Please keep the podcast coming. And that's from Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Good luck in medical school. I I am impressed just by anyone who makes the decision and follows through on going to medical school. Uh, it's a commitment. Yes, it's a commitment. And we we are very happy to give you anything to sort of break up the the studying and the stressing and the, the academics of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last one is a five stars from Al Stisi. Uh And I promise that we did not pay for this one. It says best podcast for college football. As an iHeart SC fan, I've been searching for a podcast that is devoted to them, and I appreciate you both. 
Well, thank you. Short, sweet, and to the point. And yeah, well, we will absolutely take those five stars and that crown. Yeah, there's nothing we love more than uh, to be told that we're awesome, mm-hmm. um, as as anyone should, and being uh, the recipient of an Apple Podcast uh, review also helps grow the show. And you can help jo- uh, grow the show here live on YouTube if you're joining us by liking the video. Hit the button. We'll, we'll wait one quick second. Wait for it. There we go. Awesome. You did it. Uh, and then subscribe to the show as well. It helps uh, grow. And uh, we know that that way you'll be back for tomorrow when we preview Utah. Uh, and then Saturday night when we look back at the Utah game, the Trojans and the Utes at Rice Eccles Stadium. Alicia, there's a lot to talk to talk about in this episode. So why don't we just get right into it and go right to the news? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo! You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We shall start with the only news update that we have at this point. Uh, rankings updates. Uh, SC is down in the AP poll. Despite winning, the Trojans are 6-0 for the first time since 2006. And yet they're down in the AP poll one spot. This, of course, because Tennessee put the hurting on LSU uh, in Death Valley and moved up from 6th to 8th. Uh, the Trojans held firm in the coaches poll to sixth, uh, and in the second rankings are down to tenth. Um, but it's early; it, it's October. A lot, lot, a lot of football to play, uh, and especially in you know, not that the Sagarin rankings matter anymore. The BCS doesn't exist, but Utah is seventh in Sagarin. There, there's there's room to to move up this week. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, other Pac-12 teams in the AP poll, UCLA moves up seven spots after their beating of Utah up to number 11. Oregon holds at number 12. 
and the Utes fall nine places after losing to UCLA down to number 20. Look at that, though. Three Pac-12 teams in the top 12. Pretty cool. I mean, the nice thing there is that USC and UCLA don't play until the end of the season. So if both of those teams hold firm, that game is set up to be a real great one in terms of ranking, matchup, and everything like that. Yeah. Um, Just on USC moving down. Uh, oops. <laughs> that for once, it wasn't me. 90% of the time, it's me hitting my mic. I put my water glass over there and not over there. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, USC down to number seven. I think it's frustrating on one hand and understandable on the other. Tennessee was always going to get more credit for beating LSU the way that they beat LSU than USC was going to get for beating Washington State. The only thing that like frustrates me is that USC has missed out on the opportunity for ranked wins by sheer just like happenstance a few times this season. Yeah. Um, Oregon State was Oregon like, State should have been ranked. Was, Washington State should have been ranked. Yeah, twenty sixth or twenty seventh. Washington State was twenty sixth. Like LSU was a number twenty five team. There's no reason that Washington State could have have been ranked ahead of LSU and USC get getting the top twenty five win and LSU not like. It's just one of those things where this is why people complain about maybe biases going the West Coast or anything like that. But at at the same time, the rankings right now relative to a team like Tennessee don't matter because Tennessee plays Bama and they will either have a win that clearly takes them ahead of USC uh, after this weekend or they will have a loss. and. It won't matter. USC will get that spot back if USC wins. So it's all just politics. As as much as I say that, you know, Oregon State and and Washington State should have been ranked and, and they should have been 22 or 23 or whatever it is. Um, at the same time, I don't realistically, I don't think there's a difference between the 22 ranked team and the 26 ranked team. They're all in the same area. And then the flip side of this is, as much as I complain about the SEC getting the benefit of the doubt for these teams that always start 4-0 and suddenly they're ranked number 13 or whatever, I are you surprised that 4-1 LSU was ranked like 25th last week? And Texas just beat OU, they're 4-2, and two, and you can make the argument that if they had a healthy quarterback, they'd be 6-0, and oh, and they are tied for 22nd? Like as much as we complain about the polls for for name brands, and mind you, SC benefits as being a name brand. Um, the only reason SC is ahead of UCLA right now, uh, when UCLA has two ranked wins, is that SC started ahead of UCLA. UCLA didn't have the preseason ranking, right? Like that that plays a big role. So SC benefits from this. Yes, absolutely. But, but it is kind of shocking that Texas is only twenty second to me. Yeah, but they the two losses were a thing. Like they they were ranked. The problem is the timing of their losses because they were they fell out of the rankings at an inopportune time and then had to climb back in. And so yeah, that they just had to sort of wipe the slate clean and start over. I think that's why Texas is where they are. But at the same time, like I don't know. Uh, do I think that Washington State, if you flipped the resumes between USC and Washington State going into last week, would a USC team ranked four and one be uh, be ranked? Absolutely, absolutely. That's not even a question. Right. So, I think this is more just like Washington State uh, 
lack of, of respect yeah, than anything. I guess what I'm saying is Kentucky is the same, not a brand that Washington Yeah, but State Kentucky, is, but Kentucky's SEC and Kentucky right. was undefeated. Kentucky did beat Florida. And, so. yeah. yeah. But then it turned out Florida's not that great. So, you know, it's it, this is why the rankings, they do matter, but they also, sorry, they don't matter, but they also do matter because perception at the start of the season will impact where you, where you land across the season. And teams got credit for beating Florida before people realized that Florida wasn't that great. And, you know, I think USC could have gotten credit for beating Fresno state before it became very clear that like Fresno state's having troubles this season, although, you know, injuries, but yeah, it's all, it's all wonky. Uh, Last thing before we move on, I am honestly surprised. Not a single person voted for Texas A&M. They've been really bad. Like, no, I, get I feel it, like they people... almost beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa and they didn't get a single vote. Like, I don't hate it. I'm just like, I'm I'm surprised yeah. that the discipline people had. I well, I think everyone has sort of recognized that Texas AM and Bama are just like a matchup thing, like a weird rivalry thing. And that, that Texas AM team is is not good. And them being beating Alabama would have been kind of a fluke. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I mean, they were they were a couple of yards away from doing it, they and, were. and yet, and yet they did not. Um, all right, let, let's talk about USC after their Washington State win. Uh, the Trojans, of course, beating Washington State thirty to fourteen at the Coliseum on Saturday night. Uh, it was a raucous Coliseum. SC gets a cover, sixteen point win. We talked about it before. Um, you know, maybe not the offensive explosion that you hoped from from the Trojans. But if your 16-point wins are the ones that are, are, are the, you know, the, the dicey games are the ones that end up as a 16-point win, that is a hell of a statement for the foundation that you have as a football team, uh, especially considering, you know, what the mag games were like in the previous regime. SC is certainly in a good place. They are battle-tested. But more than anything right now, here in this Wallet episode, Alicia, I want to talk about statistics. Let's do it. They're interesting. There are a lot of fascinating statistics. SC ranks in the top five in the country in a bunch of things. Let me just rattle some off for you. First in interceptions with 12. First in sacks at four per game. First in turnover margin plus 233 per game. First in turnovers loss. Uh, lost one. They've lost one turnover all year. They're tied with San Jose State there. Uh, first in fumbles lost, zero. Second in forced turnovers, 15. Second in defensive turnovers, three. Fourth in interceptions thrown, only one. There was a second one that was brought back for a, a penalty uh, against Washington State, uh, a, a defensive hold on that, on that play from Saturday night. But Still only one, fourth in the country, and now fifth in red zone defense, the Trojans holding their opponents to a 63.6 scoring mark. What, what, what say you about all those uh, big, big numbers? Those are all very impressive defensive numbers mm-hmm. that I think, with the exception of the, the sort of turnovers lost, which is obviously a very good offensive mark, goes to show why this defense is so fascinating right now because it 
certainly has felt throughout the season that this defense is not good. And yet the numbers bear out that not only are they not good, but they're like great to a certain degree. And I think that's just so hard to, to, to square with how vulnerable they look in terms of yards given up and, and all of those kinds of things. But when you lead, when you lead the nation, we're not talking about Pac-12 rankings here. We're talking about leading the we're nation. We're not talking about practice either. We're not talking about practice either. These are in real life games. Mm-hmm. You lead the nation in things like sacks and interceptions. That is, that's just the 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 remarkable thing that allows this defense to be effective, and to have uh, the 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 overall impact that they have. That game against Washington State is very, very different if the defense doesn't play the way that they play. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that it, it it's it's t- as I said the, on, the in the Stanford carcass, game is very different if they don't force those two. F- the second half the of the Stanford game gets, gets very, very nervous. If uh, the Oregon if the defense, State game is different, they don't mm-hmm. score I mean, force four turnovers in that game. Yeah, and I think that this is one of the things that I tweeted about on Sunday with regard to the rankings is. And again, I don't mind that Tennessee jumped USC. They they were impressive, to be sure. But I think it's interesting that at the start of the season, everyone was saying like, oh, USC looks looks legit, but that defense, but that defense, but that defense. And like the last three weeks, it's the defense that's won the games. It's the defense that's made sure that the games weren't in danger at any point, really. Mm-hmm. And yet... I don't hear national voices coming around on, oh, actually, but actually look at that defense, but actually look at these numbers on that defense. But actually after six, after, you know, after six games, we can't say that like this luck is going to run out because through six games they're they've consistently put, put up these numbers. So like the, the correction of the perception of this USC team isn't really happening and so it's I, sort of hard to I, I think it's difficult though yeah because part of the part of the crazy thing about so many of these numbers is some of them are very specific um you know sacks and interceptions those are main mainline popular numbers turnover margin you like interception sacks and turnover margin along with like yards per play and total defense uh and and scoring defense those are your big those are your big boys and so like Yes, those are being seen, but SC has some stats in here that I don't think are being seen compared to other ones. Let me let me just explain that. SC is 64th in yards per play defensively. That's not exciting. They're 67th in third down conversions against. Not exciting. 80 uh, sorry, 89th in in first downs allowed. That's not exciting. 105th in yards per carry. So we talk about rush defense a lot on this show, and we talk about it at the yards per carry clip because we don't want to – yards per game is totally skewed. You got garbage time in there. You got uh, – you know, some teams have played more games than others. It's easier to talk about yards per carry. And so to me, that means that SC is 105th in rush defense. And you look at that, how can you definitively rank – the a, a team number six in the country if they're 105th in rush defense. Well, 
let's talk about the the nuance to that. And then this is the problem with USC's defense right now, why they're not, I think, getting the benefit of the doubt nationally in terms of narratives is because there's nuance involved. And you have to go to the nuance there, which is that the rush defense is 105th, but yet in the first half, they're 123rd at six yards per carry, but in the second half, they're allowing half of that, 27th. Uh, they allow 50 rushing yards per game in the second half. And the second half is just insane for the Trojans. SC is third in defensive passer rating in the second half at 84.9. Have not allowed a single touchdown in the second half. Obviously, that's tops in, in the nation. SC has forced seven interceptions in the second half. Tops in the nation. In the third quarter alone, the third quarter, the quarter that we talk about. Sets the tone. We, we talked about throughout the Helton era as being the problem area, right? The third quarter. Ooh, the dreaded third quarter. SC is holding uh, opponents to a passer rating of 56.5. Number one in the country. Opponents are completing 44% of their passes in the third quarter. Like. That's an that's an incredible mark, but who's looking up that number? That number isn't easy to find. The one that's 105th in rush defense is easier to find. Um, you know, SC has only allowed nine passes of 20 plus yards all season, fifth in the country. That number not easy to find. It's easy to find that SC is, you know, get, in total defense is nothing to write home about. And if you're a national voter or anyone, especially when USC has games starting at 7.30 Pacific or even in primetime, you know, 5, 5, 4.30 Pacific, those are, those are later in the day. How long are, how long is the national audience really paying attention to the USC defense? It's much more likely that they've seen the first and second quarter defense than the third quarter defense or even clock that like, it wasn't just this one third quarter. It's been every third quarter this season. So yeah, perception is is difficult to to beat back against when you're not necessarily paying as close of attention as we are to the minutia of where the defense flips the script and where they where they come alive. So I get it. I absolutely get it. And as someone you know where we do. I mean, we we dive deeper into the stats than just the basic. We're uh, doing like the, five hours of podcast a week. On, on yeah, but like when we preview a team, like when we go ahead and get ready for the Utah preview ne- uh, for tomorrow, I'm not going to necessarily look at third quarter splits when I <laughs> when I look at. Right. I mean, now I might want to just as a comparison, but that's not that's not the go to stats that we're looking at. So when we are evaluating opposing teams, we're looking at what our eyes have seen when we've tuned in, when we have opportunities to tune in. And then also we go through a whole rundown full of stats that we're putting together. But for all intents and purposes, it's still sort of surface level. Uh, We we aren't in the weeds on Utah. We aren't in the weeds on Washington state. So like, I'm not blaming anybody for this, but I do think that, that it is time to start giving this defense some credit. And I, and I, I hope that against Utah, they'll have an opportunity to really make a statement and that it doesn't sort of like that this isn't the week that the luck runs out in the worst possible way. Because I think once you get through that game, there won't 
there won't be a chance to to disregard this defense in the same way yeah. after that situation. Well, the SC Utah game is prime time, and it's going up against two games that I don't think are remotely interesting. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing is that this week of college football action is outstanding. Except, but in the prime, prime time. time, everything after four o'clock is pretty. I mean, like the USC game is I mean, clearly yes. the 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 bell of the ball there. Unless you're like an ACC fan who wants to watch Clemson, Florida State. So most of the big hitting games are are done earlier in the game. There will be a lot of eyeballs on USC Utah. So it really is a statement game that USC is going to have to going to have to rise to the occasion for because I think the narrative around USC will directly reflect more than the six game that came the the six games that came prior. The narrative around this USC team as a whole will be dictated by that game. Yeah. Uh, I, I did want to get to an email from Davis who says, true or false, USC is the best defense in the Pac-12. And before you answer, consider this. USC is the only defense in the conference that is yet to give up 30 points in a game. Even undefeated UCLA has given up 30-plus three times. They also lead the conference in interceptions, sacks, tackles for loss, and the opponent's passing efficiency. If you take out games against FCS opponents, USC leads the conference in total yards allowed per game as well. Fight on Davis class of 2020. Yeah, I I, I wanted to talk about this too because I, I – so we, we go back to talking about USC's defense. And like classically speaking, it's hard to say that SC is the best defense when, again, they're 105th in rush defense, right? Um, but – Scoring defense, SC yeah, leads in scoring defense, sacks, interceptions, turnover mark. Like those are all the harm hallmarks of what we consider a good defense. And yeah, the 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 yardage doesn't look nearly as as um you know mediocre on the defense in the Pac 12 rankings as it does the national rankings. I but everybody in the Pac 12, I saw a tweet that was looking at the ranks for Pac-12 defenses across the board, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that are real low nationally. Yeah. Now, is that a reflection of the offenses in the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 defenses that bad? I think the offenses are better. I, it's hard to say. Yeah, I think, it, I think Washington took a big step forward. I think Oregon took a big step forward. Arizona took a big step forward. We know SC is taking a, a step forward. I think the offenses UCLA have, certainly has. Yes, the offenses have gotten better in the conference. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they. I, I want to see more before I say SC has the best defense. I think Utah has a shout in this. Uh, they obviously gave up forty plus to UCLA last week. Uh, we know UCLA th- themselves have an argument there. So I think Washington State has an argument for for one of the best defenses. Um, but the difference right now is. Nobody's creating those havoc plays like the Trojans. Yes, and so that's why I would I would certainly go as far to say that USC through six games is sort of we're giving out midseason awards. USC is the most effective defense in the Pac-12. Does that mean they're the best? It on a play-by-play basis, I think in order to be the best defense, you need to be more stout than we've seen. You can't have the first half numbers that we've seen from USC's defense right. just in general, mm-hmm. because I mean, as much as I say that, like don't disregard this defense because of turnover luck or whatever, there's going to be a game where the adjustments luck. don't work. right? Yeah. And there will be a game where, you know, the, the missed assignment blows up and, and it's a touchdown instead of a 40 yard gain that you happen to, to keep in front of you and, and then get the turnover in the red zone. Like those kinds of things will come around. I give this 
defense a ton of credit for creating the the luck that they've created. But you can't give up yardage in the first half the way that this team has given up yardage in the first half to be considered a, a great defense. And I think we talked about this in, in a prior episode. It might have been the CarCast, but the difference between great teams and good teams and bad teams is consistency, especially when you're at USC's level and you you can boast the talent level that USC can boast. So you're all, you're more often than not, you're not differentiating between is USC a bad or a good team. More often than not, you're you're differentiating between USC being a good and a great team. The difference between the good and the great teams is not necessarily performance ceiling, performance ability. It's usually what percent of plays are you playing positively? Um, the problem with past USC teams has been that there were too many negative plays canceling out the positive plays yeah. that they were capable of. And we would just sit here talking about how, well, man, if, the, if only they were, if only they played like this all the time, then, and things came together all at once, then it would be fine. And we're still looking at this team and asking like, when are they going to play a perfect game? And I can still say, apply the same thing to the defense. When are we going to see a perfect game from the defense? Because right now they're 50, 50 and the 50 on the second half is, elite elite level but the other side yeah. is is not elite and so instead of uh how can i compare it? it's like on a test you have 100 questions you get 50 of them right and they're the best answers that have ever been given but you get 50 of them wrong you're still coming out with a, you know you're still coming out with a fail now that's not quite the same what we're seeing from this defense it's probably more like 70 30 but that still means they're not at an a plus level Mm-hmm. They're not even, I mean, they're, they're, they're maybe scratching a B at this point because you can't have the missteps in the first half and expect to be called the best defense. Most effective. Sure. Best. The, you gotta, you gotta step up in the first half in order to claim that title. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have a great opportunity Saturday night to, to, to do that at, at Rice Eccles against, uh, the quarterback who going into the season, I think people put a lot of eggs in the basket as potentially being the best quarterback in the conference and Cam Rising. As it stands right now, I think it's a coin flip between DTR and Caleb Williams. But, uh, you know, Cam Rising more than capable of uh, of certainly hurting you. Um, and another part of this defense I want to talk about is I, I put out a tweet Saturday during the game about is it time to talk about Tuli Tuli about uh, why did I screw this up again? You you had trouble last time too. I don't know why. It's Tule, in your head. Tui pull out too. It's yes. it's not hard. It's, it's not. not. Hard. It's not hard. Um, I'm I'm like Tim Brando all of a sudden. <laughs> um, no, uh, the the thing about Tuli, I'm like, at, at what point did we start talking about Tuli for All American? And I made a comment that I find it difficult to talk about individual players being All Americans. And I don't. I mean, less literally about will they be an All American, and more are they an All American caliber player? Because you know, I I'm not watching every game in college football. There, that as good as Tuli could be, there could be a dude at um, uh, NC State who is just even better, right? That that I'm not paying attention to, and yeah. this, this is one of the reasons why. You and I were both involved with the Football Writers of America, the FWAA. We would vote on All-American teams and stuff like that and vote for some of the award winners. I stopped paying my dues so I didn't have to do that anymore. 
because it doesn't feel fair. It it feels weird that I'm going to vote for the all Americans. Like who am I to say who the best left tackle in the country is or the, the, the best right guard. Like I'm not watching all the games. Like I, I can't possibly do that. I, I, I don't know enough. Like it's difficult. So, so take that for what it's worth. But then I, I was looking at the numbers a little bit more. Tuli is number one in the country in sacks. Seven. Nobody else has seven sacks. Second in the country in tackles for loss with 12 and a half. Is that half sack off the, the national lead there? He has a season pace of 2.08 tackles for loss per game, which is a 20, we'll say 27 tackles for loss if he plays 13 games. If he plays 14 games, it's like 29 tackles for loss. Well, Tim Ryan holds a USC record with 28 in 1989. So he's on pace to absolutely Aaron judge that thing and like be right there. Um, right We're going to have the na- national cut-ins to USC yes. games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 third down. Uh, we're gonna have to go back to the S in the Coliseum. Uh, can Tuli get him on third down? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, BKU Kenichi Udeze led the uh, the the Pac-10 with 26 tackles for loss in 2003. He was the last Trojan with 20 plus. Again, Tuli right on pace to get there. Uh, the crazy thing is, again, how many does Tuli right now have? Tackles for loss. Yeah, 12. 12 and a half. 12 and a half, yeah. Tuli Tui has 12 and a half tackles per loss in 2022 through six games. Leonard Williams, his career high in tackles for loss. Are you ready for this? 12. 13 and a half in 13 games as a freshman in 2012. That was his best mark. That's crazy, man. Again, Tuli has 12 and a half in six games. In the Pac-12, the most recent player to have a similar pace to Tuli's mark of, of 2.08, you got to go all the way back to 2014, Arizona's Scooby Wright. Remember Scooby Wright? He I... had 2.07 tackles for a loss per game in 2014 uh, with 29 and 14 games. A Scooby was great. Like, I, I was a big fan of Scooby. So. Yeah, like, if, if there's an all-decade team for the Pac-12, like, he's on it, right? Yeah. Just just because of his how crazy that season was. Mind you, uh, I looked this up. Colorado's Carson Wells, outside linebacker for the Buffs, two years ago in the COVID season that we don't talk about because it did not exist. <laughs> 16 tackles for loss in six games? What? <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't know. That, well, there's a reason uh, we don't talk about that season. Like, uh, what, like, was Colorado just playing a bunch of teams who had walk-ons playing what at, at the a, name a tackle? Of Madden is that? Jeez. <laughs> we need to do a deep dive, like uh, look at uh, what happened with Carson Wells to figure I, that one out. I I, yeah. I don't know. Um. Anyways, last year's Lombardi winner, Aiden Hutchinson, sixteen and a half sacks, and again, Tule. Six and a half tackles for loss. Sorry, 16 and a half tackles per loss uh, from Aiden Hutchinson last year. Won the Lombardi, you know, top pick for the NFL draft, all that stuff. Tuli, Tui Pelotu, 12 and a half through six games. He hit 16 and a half in the whole season last year. Uh, that's just tackles for loss. We talk about sacks. 
Uh, Thule is at 1.2 sacks per game, is on pace for 15, which, again, would be more than Aiden Hutchinson's 14 last year uh, in a 13-game season. Uh, BKU, the most uh, recently in USC history in the last you know 20 years, uh, had 16 and a half in 2003. So Thule needs to sort of up the pace slash hope that he gets 14, 15 games to maybe get there. Um, but still, uh, super, super havocy is, is Tuli Tuipolotu. And how rare is his seven sacks? This, to me, I think might be the craziest one. Again, seven sacks in only six games. Only one USC player in the last nine years, nine years, has had more than seven in an entire season. And we're talking about seven in six games. One player. Do you know who that one player is? Port Augustine? Rasheem Green. Rasheem Oh, yeah. Okay, that, that's fair. Only guy who's had more than seven in a single season. He had, uh, I think he had 10 in 2017. So, yes, the, the whole point is truly below <laughs> two for Lombardi, Nagurski, Bednarik, anything. He's started getting the campaign ready, start getting the graphics ready, all of that. Um, get it. Uh, get, get it ready to go. Yeah, um, he's uh, here's the thing, too. I think this is a big credit to Alex Grinch, mm-hmm. to Sean Nua, uh, the defensive line coach, to the entire scheme, because they are getting after the quarterback. And Thule is certainly leading the way. But there's been really great pro- production from Nick Figueroa, from Tyron Teleni, from Solomon Bird. All of those guys are thriving uh, in, in, in pass rush. And the pass All those rush, other guys help him out, too. Yes. And he helps them out, too. I guess my question for the second half of the season is have teams, which I can't believe that they wouldn't have been keying on him. Like if, if, if we went into the season talking about the defensive line, like I think we did talk about the defensive line in this sense. It's, it's, it's too below two and it's like a bunch of like, uh. so right. uh, I can't imagine that opposing offensive coordinators haven't been looking at, at USC and going, number one thing we got to do is stop totally to below two. And I mean, I had, I don't know that I've been paying attention to whether or not he's being double teamed or anything like that. But my question would be in the second half of the season: Bring is, him on. Is is he is our 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 offense is going to start taking more of their game plan and focusing it around keeping him from from going off? I hope they do. Like, I mean, because that, that'll oh, that'll open up so many things for his teammates. But that's yes. like to me, there are only two things that can stop Tuli Tupelo at this point. Number one is injury because that's always the reality in sports. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's if he's almost too good and now the 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 offense is is just all about keeping him from from being productive, which is not the end of the world because the more you have to focus on him, the more the other guys can step up. But this is is really be even beyond what I expected from him, yeah, going into the season. And he's you know, he, we, we knew that he had incredible talent when he was young and, and playing alongside his brother. But I also... Yeah, he's still pretty young. He's still pretty young. But, like, well, I didn't expect him to surpass Marlon Tupelo well, to that was the thing I was thinking already. about. I remember when SC got Marlon Tupelo to as a commitment. Remember the whole, like, flip from yes. Washington? And not only the flip, but he was going to early enroll, like, be an early enrollee. Like, that was a big-ass deal. Yeah. And I remember tweeting from the Rana Troy account, like this guy bringing in a big Marlin fish. And like, <laughs> like I was so proud of myself for that dumb tweet. And 
it was a huge moment. And we were looking at it as if he was going to be the big catalyst on that defensive line. And I'm not taking anything away from Marlon. Marlon was a, a very serviceable defensive lineman. Um, serviceable probably is, isn't giving him justice. He was a very yeah. good defensive lineman. But compared to what Thule has done, Thule outplayed him in his freshman season when they were both together in that year we don't talk about of, of, of 2020. Certainly Thule is more explosive, more uh, capable of, of getting on the stat sheet. I think yeah. Marlon probably was is still harder to move in the run game. Uh, so if that's one one area that like Thule could a could little, lift his slightly game different a little roles, bit, sure. well, and that's the thing: different roles, different uh, different skill set to to a point. Like Marlon, even yeah. when he came in, it was a discussion of he is ready to play now, um, and he's going to be sort of the big body that that can be a run stopper. And I, when Thule came in, it was very clear like this guy's a, a pass rusher. So um, you know, there there's always areas of his game that he can improve, but he to me like he he has already become more important to the team than Marlon was mm-hmm. and i i don't know that i just I, I just didn't expect that i really didn't expect that and like i said kudos to Sean Nua because he takes some flack he takes a lot of flack about the run defense and all of that but to me what i've see, seen i feel like people don't talk about Sean Nua enough Oh no! I, I, if if you jump on uh, certain message boards or whatever, you see people questioning Sean Nua, and and you see people wondering about Sean Nua. To me, the defensive line has performed well, well, well beyond expectations, and to me, that the run defense is still a reflection of. Um, there's no nose tackle. There's personnel issues. There's yeah. scheme issues about what uh, what the scheme is prioritizing. There's linebacker issues. There's a million different well, issues. Okay, can we talk about the what the scheme is prioritizing? I'm not saying that this is the case, but like, let's talk about the whole uh, um, blanket theory. Yeah, of course. If if you if you're new to Radio for Radio and the blanket theory, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's that the you the, the blanket is not big enough, folks. It is not a big enough blanket. And if you are warming up, are you going to keep your little toesies out and uncovered? Or are you going to cover up your toes and keep your shoulders out and uncovered or what have you? Uh, Something's got to be uncovered and something's got to be covered up. Right now, SC is giving up runs like in the Washington State game right up the middle. It was a bunch of inside zones right up the middle that would go for 12 yards a pop. That was the issue. Everything else, SC had covered. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if you have everything else covered, I like... And it, and I mean, the know, proof is in the pudding, is it not? This deep it, with all the is. all the stats that we've already displayed that we've already talked about this episode. That like to me, that proof is in the pudding. It's it, uh, if, if the thing is that like you're going to be bad on rush offense in the first half, but then you're going to make adjustments in the second half and you're going to shut everything else down. And you're going to force turnovers. I'm taking that. Yeah, I'm taking well, that every day of the week. And what was it you? It's not in our stat rundown, but you talked to me about the um, third down rush defense is actually very good, even in short yardage. So it's not like they can't stop those runs down the middle. Certainly, the edge has not been exploited the way that uh, the previous years we sort of were pulling our head out, our hair out, because. Um, teams were just exploiting USC on the outside. So that is, has definitely been been addressed. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's always going to, especially with this defense, which we talked about from the get-go, doesn't have a ton of depth and has some some personnel question marks about uh, sort of fits in the scheme and, and and working with what you've got. If you're going to talk about working with what you got, I think I think the USC has done an, an incredible job of that. Yeah. The one, like I said before, the the big question that I have for this defense is if you can do it in the second half, why can't you do it in the first half? And if you have your, uh, if you're focused enough to not get beat or not miss your assignments or stuff in the second half, then why aren't you doing that in the first half? Like that would be my only question. Sure. But at the same time, again, prefer, I'm not, I'm not you'd, delusional. You'd rather have a great second. Half yes, this, and right? and this is one. Of, I forget who it was. Someone on Twitter uh, was saying that uh, Grinch runs the the deep. I think it was actually Brandon, uh, our our our, uh, our barbecue buddy. Um, who said that like Grinch runs the deep the same defense that we all run in NCAA football, mm-hmm. which is just like remember the Titans blitz all night like just just go one hundred percent in on havoc. And, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to you before you can throw the ball. Yes, and and I'm gonna if I'm gonna give up uh if if my run blitzes are gonna just just uh not not be in the right direction or you're gonna you're gonna counter them or, or do whatever and they're not effective, like, I'm going to let you have that 20-yard run because I'm going to get that sack eventually, and you're going to be in third and forever, and you're not going to convert it. And I 100% can get behind that, uh, knowing what this defense is. Now, do I want that to be the the game plan for necessarily for USC two years from, from now, oh. where it's living on that edge? Maybe not, but for now, absolutely you take that, and you you, you run with it for all it's worth. Well, at some point, there's going to be a team who, like like I said, where the second half adjustments don't work because they're going to be able to commit to the run or find a different wrinkle. Yes. And and still be able to run. Mind you, Washington State, we talked about the second half numbers. Washington State ran the ball just as well, if not better, in the second half. They broke a couple long ones. And, and that's because of those couple long runs. Yeah. So, like, um, SC's defense as a whole has been significantly better in the second half. In rushing specifically against Washington State, the numbers don't exactly bear that one out. But all told, through six games, but the do. performance did. The I like yes. from what we saw, that was still what it what it was about. I want to point out, Dave, uh, Dave and OC in the chat says this strategy is what we've been asking for for years: score enough points that the teams we play have to pass, and then pin our ears back, get sacks and turnovers. Yes, this is a that, winning formula. That was, that was my game plan last night in Madden. In Madden, I, yeah, <laughs> your so big win in Madden. I, I'm in. I'm in a Madden league. Got a big win against a, a user. I'm super pumped. The whole strategy was the the guy likes to run the football. I I just weathered the the running the football stage until I could, you know, force him to throw the football. And then once we force him to throw the football, like it's anyone's game, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you can do that. So. I can get behind it. That's all I'm saying. I can get behind it. Yeah. I'm 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 still going to be realistic though. I fully expect this to backfire one game, but uh, sure. making making it through six and not having it backfire is already well ahead of my expectations. Yeah, and, and thankfully for SC, they don't have to play Michael Penix or Bo Nix. Yes. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to looking back at USC's over our our over under picks for USC's game against Washington State. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. 
All right. Or should I say Washington State? Who says Washington? Like, is that a regional thing? It's got to be. But I've certainly heard it. Region says Washington. Washington. Yeah. No idea. I don't know. It's weird. It's not as cool as like people saying pronouncing Williams as like like the wise, like Williams. That Williams. Oh yeah. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Washington Williams. Water. Water is another. Water. Well, that's uh, not Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a it's a mid Atlantic thing. I think that you get you get water in like uh, I want to say it's like the Maryland. Maybe we should ask like Chris Trevino about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. If he's uh, a water Jersey guy. says water too. Water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get to over under. Uh, going into last week's picks, you were eighteen and twenty. I was twenty and eighteen. Your first pick was over under a hundred and thirty six. Point five rushing yards for the USC Trojans. The Trojans have been averaging uh, 138.8, but Washington State was very good in rush defense and holding teams down. Uh, I took the over, locks you into the under. It was way over 181. It was the biggest night of rushing in Travis Dye's career as a Trojan. Yeah, I'll take that one. My bad, my bad, die. I, uh, I, a little too low. I lowballed this one and I paid for it. But even if I hadn't lowballed it, I still would have, I still would have lost it, I think. Yeah. My next one was over under two and a half Cam Ward interceptions. He had seven in his previous four games going into Saturday night. He had thrown exactly two in each of his three games against Power Five opponents. And we know SC leads the world in turnovers and all those things. You took the under still which locks me into the over, and it was under. He didn't throw a single pick. This is my favorite. No turnovers in the whole game. This is my favorite kind of over-under where it's like, yes, this is the trend. This is the thing we absolutely expect. This is the thing when we talk about Cam Ward that we're going to talk about. Great quarterback, but turnover prone. And then you go go for it, and bam, uh, zero. Just like the special teams question that we had about, like, this is going to be the team, the, the, the day that special teams catches up to USC. And then suddenly it's like, no. Special teams not a factor in this game. Also, USC special teams was the better special team. alert. So, yeah. Um, love it. Love it, love it, love it. I mean, I would have loved like five Cam Ward interceptions more, but I love winning the over-under with the under. There you go. Uh, your next one was two and a half red zone TDs for the Cougs. Uh, they had scored three plus in all but one game, and SC was not allowing very many. I took the under, and it was under two. The Cougars were exactly two of two in the red zone, both of them coming early in the second quarter, the only time that Wazoo ended up scoring. Yeah, I just I just thought Wazoo would score more points. That's uh, my bad. Yeah, and USC's defense was like, nah. Yeah, nah. Big, big nah. Yeah. Uh, my next one was over under 33 and a half for Washington State's longest kickoff return. Like you talked about, special teams. Trojans had been uh, no bueno. Muy basura in in the special teams department, uh, but things turned around. Uh, you took the you took the over on thirty three and a half as Washington State's longest kickoff return, uh, which locks me into the under, and it was twenty nine. Which interestingly enough, I thought SC was very good in special teams on Saturday night. Um, they weren't giving up long returns, and they got a few of their own. And I looked at the numbers. Relic Brown's 29-yard return was 29 yards just as long as the longest one the SC gave up. 
I'm like, what? It didn't feel that, like that. No. But, but that's how the numbers spared out. But you know what it was? And I I would be curious to know why Washington State did this, but they seemed like they had no interest in returning kicks at all. Like they were they were fair catching that's everything. The dream. And like to me, that plays right into USC's hands. So like I don't know. That yeah, that's what we would like that. But but then Relik came out and was like, No, it's okay if I return this. I'm I'm gonna get yardage. So Yeah. Speaking of Madden, that's me and Madden. I don't return anything. That's smart. Just a reason to fumble. Take your yards and take your points. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, then taking points. I don't take know. Points. Always nah, nah. Points. Uh, next one. You said over under four and a half sacks. You were optimistic as hell. Four and a half sacks for SC. Uh, Wazoo was averaging allowing three per game. Of course, the Trojans had four plus in all but one game, five sacks and three. I said under because that line was just way too high. Four and a half sacks. Even though if SC had the the proof in the pudding that that, that wasn't the crazy line, it just sounds crazy. Locks you into the over, and of course it was over because SC is who we thought they were, a sack-making machine. This is my favorite over underline I have ever set because I went with 4.5 because I wanted to bait you into taking the under. And I knew I was taking a risk, but that line was set because I wanted to control which way your over under went. And it paid off beautifully, but also scarily because USC had that explosion of sacks in the first half. And then they hit four and then it got late in the game. And I was like, uh, I think it was Nick Figueroa who saved me. And it was late in the game. It was sort of last minute, uh, not last minute, literally. It was just sort of late yeah. to get to get to number five. And I did like a fist bump when I saw it in, in stat broadcast because there was another sack before that that was counted as a tackle for loss because it was sort of like a broken play. And it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't designated as a passing play, I guess. But whew, whew, sweating bullets. Got my over-under. Feel really good about that one. There you go. Well, this is the one that I set high, you know, hoping for something. Uh, And, you know, you took the under. Four and a half on the under of Brendan Rice catches. Four and a half uh, was means that if he hit the over, it'd be his career high. uh, Or tighten his career high from last year at Colorado. You, of course, took the under and it was under. It was three. Uh, Brendan Rice just... Three straight games of three catch. He's just a three catch guy. That's he. He looks, pop, looks to me. He yeah. pops up three times, contributes to the offense, reliable, and, uh, and that's just what he what he's going to be apparently. Yeah. Uh, so for the week, you went three and three. I went three and three. We're just steadily moseying along. Mm-hmm. You're twenty one and twenty three. I'm twenty three and twenty one. Uh, but before the rot box, this was a hell of a week. Jeez. Big shouts to E.T. and Torrance. Love, love the, the South Bay representation here, by the way. Uh, Torrance. 6-0, uh, and o, E.T. went. 6-0. and o. That's impressive. Celebrate with the special C, my guy. <laughs> Jeez. 5-1, uh, and one, there was a plethora of you. Dave in Orange County, Cameron in Frisco, Texas, 28 pitch. Jay Vandy, Rick and PV. Look, look at that. Some, some more South Bay representation. Randy from Redlands, Ocean Beach Trojans, Carrie from Chicago, Pitewello. Uh, our good buddy Steve from the Bay Area, Wavy Gravy. 
Big Poppy 55, L.A. Fred, Callie Matt, Trojan Mighty Duck, uh, and that Beast Out West, all with a 5-1 and one record in, in over-under last week. The Robots were on it. You love to see it. Yep. I tip my cap to you. Yeah. Or I tip Michael's cap to you. <laughs> that, that, that works. Uh, season leaders so far. Um, here's the top 10 as it stands right now. Uh, tied for seventh, there's four of you. Carrie from Chicago, Monterey, Michelle, Paiwello, and Tat Freak with a record of 27 and 17. There are four of you tied for third. Callie, Matt, L.A. Fred, Randy from Redlands, and Ryan from Arizona at 28 and 16. One game better solely in second place is Callie Cat at 29 and 15. And in first with now a two-game lead with a 31 and 13 record. One of the five and one, uh, you know, winners um, this past week, Jay Vandy. Jay Vandy's on top. Cali Cat's going to have to come back next week with a big, with a big week to yeah. reclaim that title. Cali Matt is up there. You love to see it. Power couple working it. It's uh, it's a good time. It's a it's a good time. And apparently, I lost my coat. Hi. <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, a little, little inside baseball. The, the whole point, um, we'll, we'll talk about it later. You're supposed to just play along. I know. You're not supposed to just, just ruin it there. I know. Uh, the, the YouTube listeners will, will know what know. Went, yeah. went down. Uh, all right, uh, game predictions. Uh, Bill Connolly said SC would win by 9.1 points with a 70% win probability. Uh, his uh, score prediction was 33-23. Vegas had the Trojans by 13. With uh, we, we did our little math thing, and that'd be like 29.5 to 26.5. Um, you said SC 35, Washington State 24, and I said I really like that, but I ended up going bolder. I went 37-20. Of course, SC wins 30-14. I want to say it was very close with the, you know, the gap there. SC wins by 16. I predicted a 17 point win. You did. And I am going to have to start adjusting my, my picks here, my predictions, because I, I keep predicting as though this, this defense is a 25 point defense and they're, they're just not, they, they are just not. I got to start putting respect on their name. My bad. Yeah. What are you doing? Mm Yeah. All right, uh, let's get into the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. Uh, if you're joining us here on the old YouTube, uh, be sure to pop in the chat with some questions. We've been starring a bunch of questions as well and noting those down. But I want to start with an email we got from Tom in the Cayman Islands who says, Hi, Lizzie and Michael. If the Oklahoma legislature wants to pass a bill to name the last three inches of a highway after Lincoln Riley, should they also make an amendment to the bill uh, amend them to the bill so that the off-ramp at the end of those three inches is named after Brent Venables. If you put out on a gravel road, uh, if you can't put it out on a gravel road, Tom and Kent in the Cayman Islands, P.S., I got a chance to go to the Fresno State game, and I have to say I really like the upgraded experience at the Coliseum. Yeah, thanks for the email, Tom. The, the, I, I continually say my family members who go to the Coliseum all come back raving about the the new Coliseum. I personally love it. I'm bummed that uh, it's going to be a little while longer before I get back there. But but Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma. Oklahoma is in a very depressing state right now. Honestly, I feel like, bad I, because like I genuinely I thought and and I'm not going to write him off yet, but Brent Venables was a good hire. Yeah, I think so too. I, I it's it's early. It doesn't help that Dylan Gabriel got hurt. But and to me, what's depressing about Oklahoma isn't necessarily their defense. It's the whole wildcat thing. And it's just like very depressing when you. Well, when you, their defense is also depressing. Like well, don't well, get yes, it but. Yeah, you know. they have a lot of work to do. And um yeah, Sooners fans maybe uh maybe getting some some cosmic karma for all of the really disgusting things that they had to say about um Lincoln Riley and his family. Yeah. Well, I don't know. All right. Uh let's go to a tweet we got from um Maskless who says, What are your thoughts on the Matt Rule firing? Do you think he has an interest in a college job? He well, okay, he's he's got forty million dollars on the table guaranteed with the Panthers, so technically he does not not need to go back and get a job in college. But I would expect him to take his pick. I think he's going to have his pick. If I were Nebraska, ASU, Auburn, pretty much any team that's going to be out there looking for a new head coach, he would be my number one pick uh, of currently unemployed oh, thousand unemployed options like. Unless you have the ability to do what USC did to get Lincoln Riley, like he should be your number one. Um, yes, where he would lean, because I don't know. If I'm at rule, Nebraska is a huge rebuild. Hmm. ASU's a, a dumpster fire. But, 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 what but. does Matt Rule excel in doing? Rebuild. He's a rebuild guy. Like He's that's his whole thing. Dude. So, like, he might be perfect for Nebraska. He might be perfect for Auburn or ASU. I wouldn't touch ASU, honestly. Unlocks Nebraska. That would be that would be kind of cool. But if I were him, I would not go near ASU. I would look at Nebraska or one of the other jobs that that comes. We all want Nebraska to be good, right? Like, yes. I'm, yeah, I want Nebraska to be good. Like, because our our childhood needs it. Yeah. Our childhood, but then like well, I'm, the people that older from like their adulthood needs it, right? Yeah, the, I love college football. Like brands to be good especially because here's the thing usc faces a lot of criticism about like crowds and all that kind of stuff if anyone deserves to have their football team be good out of pure loyalty to a bad product it's nebraska yeah. like big t37 says colorado i can't see him going to colorado though because you want my honest opinion about matt rule if there's one coach i'm certain of, like if you said all the coaches in america pro and college, whoever, who I am the most certain will win a national championship who has yet to do it. Honestly, it's Matt Rule. No, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, I would. I would. Over Lincoln Riley? Yes. Let me explain why. Mm. Let me explain why. Mm. Because I I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to jump to the NFL, but I think that that possibility exists. Oh, so you say that Rule won't go back to the NFL, so he's going to have Matt time. Matt Rule is never going back to the NFL. His yeah. NFL time is completely exhausted. He is done in the NFL. He he is banished, just like uh, Steve Spurrier and Nick Saban were banished. He is going back to college, and he can only be a college coach. And so, I yes, I put them on the same level, that I think both of them are going to win a national championship at some point, somewhere. So much praise for, for Matt Rule, and I think he should take any job he wants. I can't imagine it being Colorado, but no, yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to a message we got from Brandon who says, Hey, Alicia, random uh question. 
Uh, do you have any insight control on what ads are playing on the podcast? The reason I ask is there was a super political one that came up. And I don't know what's going to pop up that may be worth mentioning. So some people might not know that it's not making you, you making the calls. If you guys have any insight and decision-making power for the ads and disregard this message, I just figured to give you a heads up. You don't necessarily want someone getting turned off by an ad that's out of your control. Anyways, fight on. Thanks to you and the hubby for what you do. Love the show. Yeah, and uh, and and I replied to Brandon in in that message. But we also wanted to sort of give a, an overall message to all of our listeners. We do not have control over what ads that you hear. Yeah. Those are based on sort of listener data that's through the the service that puts together the ads. Uh, people who are in Los Angeles will get different ads than somebody who's in Washington or Kansas. So you're or, just going to stick with it now? I'm, I'm running with it. I love it. Okay. Uh, it's like Worc- Worcester. Uh, what, just, what's your sister's w- sauce? W- w- yeah. Yeah. Or any other British town like Leicester or things that are just not pronounced the way that they're written. Mm-hmm. Worcester? Yeah. Worcester. Um, or Worcestershire. Yeah, lesser, whatever. Uh, <laughs> those ads are all going to be different. People listening in England will have yeah. different ads. Our, our, our fans, you're, you're in, our fans in South to... Korea are listening to something different. Um, than... Yeah, the, the people in Australia are listening to uh, ads for, for Maccas and, and, yeah. and Hungry Jacks. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, we, you know, we, we don't have control over these. And that means that you will get political ads, especially because it's midterm season and that's just going to be what's on on yeah. every podcast feed, every TV station, everything like that. So, yeah. so uh, if we're in California, not, it's going to be about the dialysis problem. Uh, yes, probably. Uh, or sports gambling, whatever whatever it comes down to. So, uh, yeah, we just want to make it clear that we are not endorsing any of the the ads that are there. They're just they're what they're going to be. People have uh, yeah. have paid for that ad space and we are a vehicle for them to get that out. So. Um, yeah, no, no endorsements on ads unless you hear us saying it from our own mouths. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's coming from somewhere else. The the point is, uh, we we love we we love to have advertisers support the show. Yes. Um, but uh, yes, when it when it comes to the the programmatic ads that you listen to in Apple Podcasts, uh, or I, I guess potentially on, on, YouTube, on YouTube, like yeah. um, we're not necessarily choosing the specific thing. So if there's an ad for something that uh, you, you don't like it's not necessarily us, us yeah but, um if it's an ad that you love it's surely us like, yes like we, we we yeah yeah 100 yeah. yeah all right let's go to a bunch of youtube questions that we got um <laughs> josh arena says have you ever been to oklahoma it's a depressing state flat dry nothing to look at okay josh love you man <laughs> But like you're Josh from Buckeye Country, <laughs> like the, you're you're talking about Oklahoma being flat. The highest point in Ohio is like 400 feet, my guy. <laughs> okay, so we watched a YouTube video. Um, what was it? Uh, was it Yes Theory or Yes Theory? Or, yeah, where they went to the quote unquote worst country in Europe. It was Moldova. And what I really loved about that video is that they went to the worst country in Europe. To just see unquote, what it was like. Yeah. Hmm? Quote unquote the worst. Quote unquote. Because yeah. that was it was voted the worst country in Europe. And they went there and they had a wonderful time. And they met a lot of beautiful people. And they saw a lot of beautiful things. And like that was the whole point of the video. It's just like there's something about every place that people might love. <laughs> Josh says there's more trees in Ohio. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, my big thing is like 
I love Southern California. I think it's it's the, the place that I that I love and want to live. But there's something about every place that I've ever visited that I can appreciate. Even driving through the middle of the of the California, um, um, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the the sort of straw that you're driving down the five on. But like I see beauty in that too. The the, the five is great, and when you get that scent, hmm, well, okay, I could do without. I could do without that. Uh, What is it? Uh, Kettleman. um, It's almost a Kettleman city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, I could, I could, I could do without that. But there's something for everyone somewhere and uh i've never been to oklahoma i'm sure there's beautiful places in oklahoma you've driven through did you drive through oklahoma i haven't driven through oklahoma i i went to so my my best friend used to live in dallas we took an afternoon and drove up to the windstar uh casino which is just across the border across the the red river which is honestly legitimately red like it's crazy um but we went to the windstar i won a bunch of money at the casino so yeah i've been to oklahoma um, but, yeah, Big Big T says it's like El Salvador. Everyone's scared of it. Really, not that bad and gorgeous. Visit El Salvador, people. Like, yeah, I, I think there's something there's something for everyone, and you, there are places you won't like, and there are places that that you will. And so, uh, it's yeah, it's just. Want to add this in here? Do you know who the largest landowner in the state of Oklahoma is? T Boone Pickens. No, good guess, but no, it's the Drummond family. Do you know anything about uh, the Drummond? The, dr- the Drummond, Drummond, like the machinery kind of uh, construction kind of stuff. No, I, I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, all I know is the Drummond fl- family, including Ree Drummond. You know who Ree Drummond is? That's the that's the, the pioneer uh, woman. Pioneer woman who went to USC. She went to USC. Yeah. Yes. So what what I'm saying is an SC grad literally owns Oklahoma. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next question in the chat. Ramon says, after six games, what is the most surprising thing to you, to both of you? And what is the most concerning for the remaining six games? Alicia, what say you? Uh, I genuinely think it's that the defense is as good as they are. Um, just in terms of pure, that this isn't us giving them like, well, they're, they're good for what they came in with. Like, no, they're legitimately, yeah. we're having conversations. They're number about one in not- too many stats to, to, to do the, to do that thing. Yeah. And uh, there's still a long way to go. They might, they might take a step back. That will be fine, but they are much better than I expected. Um, My biggest concern remains the offensive line. We knew that the depth was going to be a concern. We hoped that injuries wouldn't, would be kind and they've, they've Mm -hmm. not, they've not been, and they could still get worse. We don't know. So that is definitely my concern is, um, I think with us with an offensive line that could that could uh, withstand an injury or two, Kayla Williams in this offense would roll every week. But because of the the way that things have worked out at left tackle, the way they've had to shuffle the injury to um, Justin Dietrich, so guys are now playing injured too, or not at one hundred percent. Like that's really a strain on this offense, and it's something to overcome. Yeah, I I would say my biggest concern uh, or most surprising thing and biggest concern are the same thing. It's the offensive line. I, I would have thought going into it, you know, we talked about it last year. The offensive line was the best unit on this offense. And you bring back Andrew Voorhees, and yes, you, you lose your left tackle and, and have to figure out what if you're going to go with Cortland Ford or, or the transfer Bobby Haskins. But being able to go out and get a veteran transfer like Bobby Haskins feels like it would be 
a, a great move. And it still could be. It's still early, six games. But, like, I didn't expect them to be uh, the the sieve that they have been, um, especially in pass protection. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is based on injury. So, like, I, I do give them sort of the benefit of the doubt to work that out. Um, but, man, it needs to be it needs to be better because I think that is the ultimate hindrance of why this team hasn't allowed itself to be explosive on offense because the offensive line is not there. And I don't know if this is a, um, you know, coach Hanson thing. Um, I, if it's just the injuries, I, I don't know, but uh, it needs to, needs to get better for sure. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from uh, Dave in, in Orange County. Do we know what we contribute the massive uptick in our special teams performance from Saturday? I, I, it could have been a fluke for all we know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe they heard us and realized that they needed to practice more. <laughs> I, too, genuinely do not know. I will say that the punter, Aiden Sleep Dalton, even though he had a sort of rough couple of, of weeks, he really has come on. He's doing a, a really good job, and I think that I expected more of that from him uh, in terms of just pure ability. So uh, good on him. Um, the rest of it, just guys being where they're supposed to be. I think it makes a difference. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I want to see more of it on a consistent basis. We know that Utah is basically special teams you in the Pac-12. This is going to be the big test. Um, thankfully, for USC's sake, Britton Covey is no uh, longer <laughs> his 39 years as a Ute are, are over. Uh, he is uh, no longer playing football So um, uh, in college, so you don't have to worry about him. But there will be other things to uh, to worry about there uh, for sure. Uh, Tim says, uh, did you say the replay angles that they showed on TV weren't great? In the stadium, they were good. That not safety replay showed the definitive knee down angle. I mean, we still booed, but we saw it. That's the, This is my thing about crowd reactions, and I at home will – Fully acknowledge when something is not a penalty or whatever. But when you are in the stadium, You're you kind should of boo to, like, every single potential. Like this is why I was mad that they didn't show us the the potential PI that they said they would because the crowd booed. But like I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, I'd be booing even if I thought it was pass interference. Like that's what you're supposed to do when you're in the crowd. So yeah, uh, the 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 angles on TV sometimes show you more than. You see at the game, but even if crowd, even if the crowd is reacting, like you can't trust that uh, it's because they didn't see the right angle. It's usually just because like they're doing their job. Yeah, and, and it's a mixture of both. I mean, sometimes yeah, you you don't get the right angle because you don't have access to things. Sometimes the TV broadcast doesn't have access mm-hmm. to things. And like I've said, like I find it frustrating that the TV cameras are limited on TV. Like, why don't I, we? Have I want more on twenty-two uh, angles. Yes. Yeah, I, I want the pylon cam. I want the first down marker that the why is it the the rich Sunday league gets all this stuff? But that's what I'm saying. Come on, come on. You just Fox. think about like the billion dollar deals, broadcasting deals that are in college football, and yeah, that we don't get some podunk tennis tournament that nobody watches gets all this stuff that we can't get anything. <laughs> come on, kill them. Yeah. I mean, last year ESPN was hey. broadcasting in like not HD cameras for some reason. I don't even know. It's it's just dumb. Why can you go to Gable House and Torrance and get like analytics on your bowling, but you can't get like 
we can't know how many inches it is until the first down. Well, I mean, we t- I feel like every week we talk about whether or not there should be a microchip in the ball in every sport. Soccer asks this as well. Like, why don't why don't we have this technology yet? It's 2022. Let's go. When when I was a kid, there was a and I'm sure you can still buy it. There's this uh, ball that was like the speedo meter ball. Or yeah, whatever. where it has the speedo the it's not a speedometer. It's the the tracker. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and you would you would throw it, and I'd be like. I'm gonna throw this as fast as Carrie would. It's like 30 it's, miles per hour. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, this is why I should quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to a question from Josh. How is no one talking about all the home games that UCLA has this year? They have it easy. Uh, so part of it is because that cream puff of a non-conference schedule is all their own doing. Yes. That that is that is them, you know, they had three it was a bowling green South S- Alabama South Alabama and Alabama State. That was all their own doing. And so uh anytime you can stack three home games, you're gonna make your schedule really, really front loaded uh at, at home in that sense. But th- then the other thing is they sort of just got lucky with how the, the chips fall. It goes back and forth. It's a give and take in the Pac twelve where sometimes you have seven, sorry, five home games and four road games. Um, and, and vice versa. Hey, and they still got to go to Austin after their bye week this week. So yeah, they'll have the the road test. They're, they'll it's coming. Yeah, but to SC's credit, like SC doesn't get um to play Washington and and Oregon. So like while they don't necessarily get a bunch of really tough home games, um that would be nice to have at home. At least you don't get those teams on the schedule. Period. So. Mm. Not not quite the uh, the same thing, but sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny says, on the bye week, could we do a Robot meetup? That'd be cool. I don't know the logistics of it. The uh, The time is tough because Lacey over here, like a full-time journalist and stuff. How late are the Robots willing term, to term, meet journalist up? Journalist is a little smuggy of a term to use. Yeah, whatever. Um, I just go with writer or sports writer, there whatever. Uh, how late are the robots willing to 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 stay up to meet? Because you I finish- say this as someone who passes out at like eleven o'clock. Yes, but if I needed to, I can stay up late because I, you know, so long as I got to not wake up early in the morning. But yeah, I mean, I I finish work at nine. That's just the reality. Um, people want to meet up after nine o'clock on a Friday or a Saturday or Thursday like yeah we can do that but like I can't meet before nine o'clock on uh, any day of the week except for yeah. you know my off days which are not the weekends it's, it's, it's a little difficult but yeah. I, I will say I, I don't want to tease anything too much but in that realm if you're looking for those kind of things something's coming something's coming so uh so sort sort of wait 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 for those kind of things mm-hmm. um uh, Glenn says, Michael going deep in the South Bay right now. Of course I'm going deep in the South Bay. Got to rep the South Bay. Um, absolutely. Uh, Glenn also says, hey, Michael, what's the difference between a Dodger dog and an angel dog? You can get a Dodger, Dodger dog in October. Oh. This is true. This is true. Also, why would – okay, here's the thing See, about Dodger you dogs. say that to give him a dig, but he's not the Angels fan. I am. He just wore the damn hat. Like, so, so here's the killing thing. me. First of all, an Angel dog is better than a Dodger dog. Is it? Yes, but here's you – want, you want to know the secret? All those hot dogs suck. 
Like they're all bad. The Dodger dog, especially, I think, is such a disappointment. I feel bad for the people in like Podunk, Missouri, that watch games on Saturday afternoons on Fox and they hear about Dodger dogs, and they come out here for the first time ever, and they like, you know, they 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 go to the they do all the annoying tur- tourist traps that none of us do, right? Like they mm-hmm. they go to the Walk of Fame. God, can you imagine walking the Walk of Fame? Freaking kill me. They go to the Walk of Fame. They do all that stuff, right? And then they go to Dodger Stadium for a Dodger dog. And the disappointment they must feel that <laughs> here's this Dodger dog that has the thickness of a Ticonderoga number two pencil. <laughs> I mean, you're not lying. Like, oh, <laughs> but oh, it's oh, nostalgia. Cool. It's, it's like a foot long. Cool. That's because they've run it so thin that it's it, it it's not a bigger. It's not a bigger wiener. It's just like they just rolled that puppy out longer. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't need to be longer than the freaking bun. If you just made it bun sized, it would actually have some, you know, okay girth to it instead of being a freaking worm. <laughs> it, it's it's a waste of time. It's an absolute waste of time. Uh, speaking of waste of time, Big T in the chat says, never stand in line at for hours at Pink's Hot Dog. Not worth it. Oh, Pink's? Like 100%. I never, went never. Went to Pink's once? I went to Pink's with my cousins from Ohio, by the way. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. You, you, want, you want the definitive LA hot dog? Well, uh, no. The, I mean, the real answer is the danger dog, but I'm never going to make that decision because I don't want bacon on my hot dog. <sighs> But so, but I, I acknowledge that the danger dogs are the definitive LA hot dog for mm-hmm. sure. No, you you want a great hot dog? Go to Costco. Like, let's not overthink this. One hundred percent. Go to Costco. Go to Costco. Get your Costco hot dog. Get a slice of pizza, and you will have a much better experience than most of the touristy traps uh, out there. Yeah. <laughs> Tim in the chat says, "Go to Bloodsoes down the bar. Uh, Bloodsoes barbecue. Bloodsoes. Yes. Do they have a a hot? Do- well, I mean, we just went and got the do brisket. They have, a hot like- dog? they have sausage." Yeah, I don't think we got and we got brisket and that brisket was the great excellent. brisket. It's yeah. um I, 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 I'm not gonna say that it's in the same it's not the same as like going down to um what's the Lockhart's outside of Austin? It's not maybe that category and it's it's, it's not it's for what but, you can get in, in but for Los what Angeles. you can get in LA, Bloodsos oh, yeah. is like outstanding. A plus. Yes. Yes, A plus. Big fan. Uh, we're just gonna talk about pl- places all all along, like like Pico and um, what, is what was it? that um, other street? Yeah. It's um, this is Melrose, your... right? Pico and Melrose. I don't, I don't know streets. Navigation <laughs> K- is Kenny not says my Pink's deal. Not worth it at all. Glenn says Costco rules. Yes, Costco yes. rules absolutely. So you know what's really 50, dumb? Can you I? A, you get a great hot, an elite hot dog. You know what's and, and a soda. What's yeah. frustrating? Michael and I live down the street from a Costco. We could walk to the See, Costco okay, in theory, but the it doesn't have this... the outdoor food yes, court, so this... we never go because it's a pain in the butt to get in. Uh, again, this is what Glenn, dude. Glenn just said said Hutchins and McKinney. Yes, Hutchins and McKinney is the A-plus place. Hutchins is our place. Endorsed by by Ronald Jones, by the way. Yes. And endorsed by the Ray Detroit podcast. Yes. No, here's the thing. I love Costco. I love the the Costco cafe or or whatever you want to call it, the food court. Get out of here with the freaking indoor ones. I moved to Arizona and lived there for four years. They were all indoor because of the heat. That makes sense. I, as a South Bay dude, 
I need my outdoor Costco, you know, experience where you're sitting out there and you're in the shade and you can sit there and you watch everyone do the mayhem of the Costco parking lot. Like that's part of the experience is to eat your hot dog while like watching like uh, people just go to war looking for a parking spot. <laughs> well, so this is my, the, the, the Costco that we live near is the Costco that I grew up near because we, we live near one of my folks places. So like, this is the Costco that I knew growing up. This is the sort of way that it worked, but we would go to Costco to shop and then get like pizza and hot dogs and whatever. Sure. You and I don't shop at Costco because Enough. we should go. More. We should shop at Costco, but also we're only two people, and it's that, that doesn't mean anything. That's true, but <laughs> like it's just such a pain to get in the gross. Like it's easier to do pickup from Ralph's uh, than to sort of do the whole Costco experience, even though it's worth it. Yeah. So we really need to go to to Costco more often. Jenny says, "Have you been to Dino's Chicken?" I've not. I not heard of it. I, I know Dino Nuggets. Sorry, Dino. For sure, <laughs> I think they're called yeah. Dino Nuggets. Yeah, those are good. Uh, yeah. But no, no. Um, uh, yeah, I. Uh, any other questions in here? Um, Glenn says, "Should we be having your concern for the three-game stretch of Arizona, Cal, Colorado before the UCLA game?" Honestly, I think Arizona. I think it's going to be interesting. If if there's a if there's a sneaky game which SC could end up in a dogfight or potentially worse, Arizona. And I know that I say this in a in a bad time when Arizona just got the doors blown off by Oregon, but they have a receiving core that is tremendous. Um elite talent over there at receiver. Uh Jaden Delora, we know is <laughs> Someone who's just going to sling it around left and right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I could see Arizona just not knowing, you know, not caring that they're they're in a game and just going for it. Well, I, when I look at that, when I look at that uh, stretch, Colorado is essentially a bye week. They might as well be an FCS opponent. Yes. Um, Cal is just I, such a limited team. I. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I want to like know. Cal. I want to like Cal, but they're just, they're, they're very, very like, they're not as interesting as Oregon state or Washington state. They're just sort no. of there. Arizona has the only offense in that stretch that could be the one where like, if the luck runs out on this defense, like, cause before the season, what was the I, only team in that stretch who could score 40 points? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And before the season, I was talking about how like the thing about Ellen Alex Grinch defense is, they're going to have a lot of games where they hold somebody to under 20 points, but they're going to also have a couple of games where they're going to give up 60 points. Like that's yeah. just the nature of the beast. And we've seen only under, you know, sub 20s, 25 point games. So if there was going to be a game that it was like, well, this is the one where the dam just broke. The only one I can possibly peg there is, is, uh, is Arizona. And I wouldn't even go that far. It's just like, if I, if, if there's a worry there, to answer the question, that three-game stretch is a godsend, I think, because if you lose to Utah, you get to sort of get your bearings and get yourself ready for the end of the season. And if you beat Utah, you get to sort of gear up for the rest of the season without having to expend too much energy going into those last few games, theoretically. Yeah. We'll talk about Dido Nuggets more. <laughs> 
Big T in the chat says this is the best football podcast ever. And and he says this after we've gone on a rant about Costco hot dogs, Dodger dogs, Dino Nuggets, and uh, Pink's hot dogs, and barbecue. So where are you at on Dino Nuggets? I like them, but they're not as good as just Tyson regular nuggets. I have do, a theory. Do you, do you not like the shape? Is it, is it the shape have a, and how you dip the shape? I have a theory that the shape limits the ceiling on the huh. nuggets because they're sort of thinner. They become almost in certain spots, like the tail and the head. It's almost like chicken fries, which I like chicken fries from like Burger King, but it's mm. not the same nugget experience as just like a, a normal nugget. I tend to think that dino nuggets are almost thicker. You think? No, I think of them as thin. Huh. Hmm. I, I I find the Dino Nuggets interesting because they got so many, you know, edges. That they you, do have nice edges for. It, it's kind of like what I like about uh, a little bit different. Carl's Jr. Stars. My favorite thing is like oh, chicken stars. I, th- I find annoying. You get to like do your whole process, and so I I have oh, a do process. You, do you go arm by arm. I go arm by arm. Yes. You're, you're... Let me guess. You're the person who puts bugles on your fingers too. <laughs> Hell yes. <Jeez. laughs> Yeah. Glenn, Glenn says, can you do an F one podcast? Uh, we would, but the FIA uh, is is disallowed. It. They they find us for even thinking about. <laughs> Glenn, we have a name picked out for our F one podcast. Well, if we ever do it, an F one podcast, like we have a name. It's just it's not just me. It, it, just us. I've picked out a name, and whoever is in in that because. You know, we have coworkers here at Fansided who, like, we should do an F1 podcast. We should do, and I, uh, I'm willing to use that name with them too. I don't know. I just, I have a good name. It's too good of a name not to use. Yes, like it's the kind of thing where it was almost like we. There are some Google this and make sure it's make sure it's not it's not actually that someone already hasn't taken it. But like there are some things that when you come up with the name, the name is too good to not do something with it, and that's how I feel about this this podcast name. Um, Your search uh, extracted for, I mean, redacted for obvious reasons, did not match any documents. Yes. There we go. No one's using it, baby. Yeah, we got it. We got to do it. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but we got to do it. Um, Maybe when we create our like media empire with our YouTube shows uh then uh then that's that's one of the shows well well we can have our usc podcast we can have our f1 podcast we can have a um tv podcast we could do a podcast about like reality tv at this point because now we're watching the mole on netflix it's very good uh we watch big brother all of that kind of stuff so yeah we how are there still 46 people watching (laughs) Michael, we attract an audience, and this audience. Cemetery Baby says, "I have a process for this. Uh, With with Dino Nuggets, are thin. I prefer what they call boneless wings. Uh, (laughs) They're just tasty, big ass uh, nuggets." And question: Barbecue sauce or ranch for dipping? Okay, here's the thing about the sauce. I'm going to tell you right right now. Are you ready for this? Prepare. You guys, you know what's coming. There's guys. there's 46 of you listening live on yeah. YouTube, and they all know this is a special the, night. It's, it's a big night in America. It's hockey night, so obviously not that many people on compared to a car cast. Only 46 of you. It's it's intimate right now, so I'm going to share some details. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts right now, I need you to pull up Twitter and tell me that you received this awesome exclusive. 
food tank and tweet to me that you got my exclusive <laughs> food tank. Are you ready for this? Here's the best sauce for nuggets or tenders. All right. Marinara. <laughs> okay, well, at least you picked something. At least you picked something. Marinara. Because yes. what you're basically creating is like a chicken parm. Yes. Marinara, baby. Marinara. I don't Thank hate it. Thank me later. Thank me. Here's what you do. When when you get pizza at, you know, your 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 Domino's, your whatever, you get you get pizza on Tuesday night with the family, Friday night with the family, blah, blah. Make sure you go on the app and you like add like a marinara sauce on the side. Save that bad boy. Save it. For when you have nuggets on like Saturday night after everyone goes to sleep and you're like, I still want something. I heat up some nuggets, some dino nuggets. Ooh, I remember that marinara sauce. There you go. My hot marinara. take with regard to nugget dipping sauces is that most of them are very good. And it really like my favorite nugget dipping situation is when I have a lot of different things to dip in and I exclude nothing. So Michael goes with marinara. I would include uh, ranch, barbecue, ketchup, fry sauce, um, queso, nacho so, cheese. Uh, can, can I talk about fry sauce? Yes. Okay. So when um, remember I missed Mayo. the rice game because I was on assignment. The yes. assignment was driving from Dallas to Seattle with, with my best friend helping him move. Um, on the way, we drove through Idaho and – Everywhere we went, we tried to get like what the place was famous for. So uh, in Idaho, we looked up that um, uh, they're called uh, steak uh, finger steaks or steak fingers are the, the thing that Idaho is famous for. So it's what it sounds like. It's like chicken fried steaks, but they're like tendies, like they're like chicken. They're steak strips that are deep fried and beer battered and whatnot. They serve them with fry sauce. I was nervous because some places put mustard in the fry sauce, and that absolutely taints the freaking fry sauce. This fry sauce was absolutely mega bussin because it was just, you know, mayo and ketchup as God intended. But if you taint it with mustard, you absolutely lose me. Uh, it depends on how much mustard you put for me. Yeah, it it, it depends. All right. We 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 gone long. <laughs> Scott Scott in the chat says question to see if we can be friends. Uh oh, here we go. There's but he hasn't dropped the question yet. This is this is what, so, what is he gonna ask? This is what I'm I'm not gonna let us end the show until we see the question. And he, the question might have already dropped, it's just maybe there's a delay on our on our chat, but I'm waiting. <laughs> oh no, Cemetery. Mayo Mayo is so good. Yeah. Cemetery baby it, it, Mayo is the, the number one. For Mayo practice. is our household dip. Like that yeah. is our thing. Oh, okay. Question to see if we can be friends. Driver and team of choice. Oh no, it's, Scott. It's, this might be bad because people have opinions. Oh no. Okay. Yeah, Michael. Mustard's trash cemetery. Sorry. Uh no, the 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 answer to this, of course, is uh is Team Red Bull, baby. Max all day. I am Team Red Bull as well. I am Team Carlos Sainz. You know, he I, doesn't race for Red Bull, though. 
Not, no, not but anymore. Team Red to. Bull used to. He races for Ferrari, but Ferrari is embarrassing. But I still love Car- Carlos Sainz. Uh, Carlos Sainz. Carlos, my my baby, my my baby. Um, F one. The thing I like about it though is that like I like a lot of the drivers and a lot of the teams, and I'm like I'm here for the drama more than anything. So what annoys me is when like people are so in their team and their driver that like that forms all of their opinions about what yes. happened on a weekend. Like 100%. to me, I'm just like, but guys, the weekend was so wild and crazy. Like it doesn't have to be just the very infinitesimal thing about like this particular thing. Like, can we just like appreciate the crap that happened with this, that or the other vision or random like So, the, so yeah, there, there's races where Max doesn't win, but I'm like, that was a, that great, was a great race, race. because this happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. My, my, my so Red Bull and Max fandom. Is is less so, um, you know, live and die. Yeah. Um, it's more so that, uh, you know, I, I, I like Mac, but it doesn't mean I can't appreciate Lewis. Lewis does some crazy things. Lewis is amazing. I mean, yeah. genuinely. And and that's one of the things that annoys me, too, is like, yeah. Lewis is amazing. Mac is amazing. Yeah. Like, I don't think that everyone outside of Esteban Ocon can get my support. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's, let's wrap this thing up. It's been long. Um, there's 43 of you that need to go watch the Kings game. So uh, go go do that. Go Kings. Uh, hockey back in session. We'll be back in session tomorrow, of course, 5 p.m., the normal time to preview USC and uh, Utah, the, the Utes, the big game, the, the big one, the one we circled all offseason long. Uh, we'll talk about that, give you our predictions, and so much more. Alicia, you got any uh, final word, uh, which I'm assuming you're just going to tell people to subscribe and all that stuff? The final word is subscribe, as in click the like button, click the subscribe button, and all of that kind of stuff. But also the final word is mustard, because there is a debate in the chat about mustard uh, weighing in. Mustard is only good in very, very small doses. Mustard is bad. Otherwise, no, Josh, I will not chug a thing of mustard ever. I'm preemptively jumping in there. Nope. All right, uh, we will see you guys later. Till then, see ya. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.